Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Inclusive Class Podcast. Through interviews and discussions, it's our goal to explore the promise and practice of inclusive education. I'm Nicole Erdix. I'm one of your hosts for the show. I'm a parent inclusion teacher and creator of the online resource, theinclusiveclass.com. And joining me here on the Inclusive Class this morning is my very tired (laughs) co-host, Terry Morrow. (laughs) Hi, Terry. Hi there. Yes, if I drift off sometime during the course of the broadcast, just pick up my questions, Nicole, will you? <laughs> I've been having a very busy work week, and uh, which is good. When you're a freelancer, you want to be a, have a very busy work week, and you sort of take on as much work as you can find, and then you realize, mm-hmm. dang, there's only 24 hours in a day, and I have to sleep some of them. <laughs> so yeah. it's, you know, positive and negative. We're in that part of the summer here where the all the programs are done. My you know, my son had his college class and then he had his summer job and now we're just in sort of that unshaped part of the summer where you just sort mm-hmm. of uh, yeah. drift along. So so far so good. They don't start until the third. Uh schools here don't public schools here don't start till the ninth, which is bizarre. And then nice. I know but I know some places people are already back to school, so have fun with mm-hmm. that. <laughs> we're still drifting. Uh, but anyway, good morning and welcome to all our listeners. I am Terry Morrow. I'm the author of 50 Ways to Support Your Child's Special Education, and I write about special needs for about.com at specialchildren.about.com. I'd like to mention anybody out there listening to us live that we're not taking phone calls, but the chat room will be open. If you'd like to stop in and suggest a question, I'll try to work it in if we have time. I'll also try to stay awake. I have my cup of coffee here next to me. I shall, you know, if my head hits the table, that'll wake me back up, so we should be good. Sounds good. Counting on you, Terry. (laughs) I'm trying. I'm trying hard. (laughs) Anyway, I'm sure uh, our guest today will easily fill the time if uh, you drift off. (laughs) I don't know. I'm getting tired, and I think I want to drift off. (laughs) However, and you know what? We're in zone. We're in the time zone that we should be awake, and Nicole is in the time zone where she should be asleep, and yet she's the most awake of the three of us. Well, so far so good. You're our hero, (laughs) Nicole. Well, thank you. I try. No. <laughs> this today's content should be really good. So please don't drift off anybody because uh we have a, a fabulous guest with us today. Uh we have Dr. Howard Mar- Margolis with us this morning and he is here to talk about children who are struggling to read and how we can support them in our classroom. And uh Howard has actually been with us before. Um way back when when we first started the show, he was very uh, kind enough to come on when we were newbies and learning mm-hmm. learning the uh, ropes, and uh, he's back here again. We didn't scare him off. So good morning, Howard. How are you? Hi there. Hi there. I'm just fine, thank you. Good. Can you start by telling our listeners a little bit about your background and the work that you do before we get into our questions? Yeah. My background is that I was raised in public housing in Brooklyn and row homes, uh, that I've taught just about every exceptionality going, a directed programs, at Temple University, uh, and have been a a professor at the City University of New York for 20-some-odd years, have uh, taught in uh, institutions, regular classrooms, uh, the whole gamut, and have also Mm -hmm. evaluated programs going up from preschool and infant programs 
all the way up through geriatrics. And for many years, I was involved in the decision for Pennhurst in Pennsylvania to deinstitutionalize the institutions in Pennsylvania and to build uh, group homes and to satisfy them and to integrate them in uh, the community. So I have a varied background, and Mm -hmm. it gives me a perspective that works for the people I serve. Right. Well, and definitely a lot of, yeah, like you said, a lot of experiences, and uh, especially with a lot of abilities. And and that's sort of we're going to hone in on uh, some of those abilities this morning, specifically reading and talking about kids who are struggling to read, and especially in an inclusive classroom. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, you you do have those kids with visible um, issues and disabilities and special needs, but then you have those kids without, and sometimes they're hard to pick up because they can really fall under the radar, and uh, especially those, those kids that are reading. So, um, can you first of all define what a struggling reader might be? Because some people might, you know, that might be a child two or three grade levels below um, where they're currently at, or it could be a child that just stumbles over one or two words in a sentence. What would you define yeah. as a struggling reader? A struggling reader is a child who, despite having a high-quality set of teachers, good instruction, a strong, well-conceived reading program, in the school that go throughout the day still is having great deal of difficulty in recognizing words, in understanding what he reads, in expressing himself to other people because he has difficulty understanding, who will do what he can in many cases to escape from reading, who is beginning to hate it. It's not a good academic uh, word, but it describes what's going on and who may be scared of reading. So it's a combination of all of uh, these things. But it's someone who the parent might start to become concerned about, the teacher might, uh, and he's, it's, it's not a child who may have a measured IQ of, let's say, 130, which is really a high IQ, mm-hmm. but who's reading only at grade. That's not what we mean, because that kid can keep up with his peers and is probably not uh, uh, suffering the emotional anguish of having a reading problem. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's something that parents and teachers start to observe as the child is developing their reading skills and they're having difficulty keeping up with their group. And yeah, but it's also something that you can oftentimes pick up at age four and five and six, mm-hmm. uh, at age four and five. If a kid is not interested in letters, if he's not able to rhyme, if he can't uh, pick up on the rhyming in Dr. Seuss, mm-hmm. those kinds of things, despite being exposed to it on a regular basis, mm-hmm. who can't pay attention if uh, the parents are speaking, to him in a kind way, in an mm-hmm. inviting way. Uh, these are signs that he may have problems. If both of his parents have had serious uh, problems, like my parents did, mm-hmm. um, there's a good chance, not a great chance, but there's a better than even chance at times that that kid with other factors may soon have a reading problem. 
And what you want to do is you want to nip it in the bud. Yes. But you don't want to do it by some of these tests, which we're going to start to give soon, which misidentify kids and say mm-hmm. the kid is going to have dyslexia or whatever the term is that you want to use, but is not going to if just given good instruction. It's complicated. But, yeah, yeah, and it's a process, too. So once the child is, you recognize that the child is struggling, what would be the next step? And I know that, you know, the general tendency would to be, uh, you know, give the child maybe a little bit more uh, difficulty trying to, in, in a book, you know, trying to get that child to really work and, and stretch themselves towards another level or um, maybe some extra time or maybe the teacher might right. do a little evaluation herself. What do you recommend as being the next step in well, that reading issue? About, all right. First, I'll get to the word uh, difficulty, and then mm-hmm. I'll talk about the step. If you give the child lots of really difficult stuff and you really challenge the child, you're not challenging the child. You are Mm -hmm. overwhelming the child. You are making the child feel inadequate and you're destroying any motivation for learning and you're adding to the reading problem. Any kid needs, and we're talking about all kids, all kids need materials that are moderately challenging. And when they have to read on their own, they need materials that are easy to read where they're going to be able to comprehend and enjoy the materials, not just work to recognize what the words are. Mm -hmm. Uh, The more we frustrate kids, the more we lose them. Everybody faces frustration in life. Everybody faces frustration. I don't care if you have your doctorate, 15 honors, Raise children, you face frustration. Growing mm-hmm. up, being a teenager, you face frustration and rejection. We all have that. But mm-hmm. when we plan it through teaching kids, which we oftentimes do, at their frustration level, and we use the word standards rather than saying we're going to overwhelm these kids, just think of this. How, how much effort would you make after one or two tries to bench press 15,000 pounds? Yeah. I mean, you're yeah. going to look at someone, just look at it and say, are you crazy? Yeah. No one can do that. <laughs> Don't think so. But when yeah. we ask the kid to do that, we're establishing standards. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and we're destroying the motivation. Now, what do you do if you suspect that the child's going to have a reading problem or does have a reading problem? You need a comprehensive evaluation mm-hmm. by a reading specialist. Notice. And some of my friends will get angry at me. I didn't say a learning consultant. Mm -hmm. I'm one, a learning consultant. But I also realize it doesn't teach you what you need to know. I'm a reading specialist. I have my doctorate in reading disabilities because you need both perspectives. Mm -hmm. Um, So what you need is someone who understands what all the important reading all the important areas of reading are, like word recognition, fluency, listening vocabulary, motivation, regulating oneself, in other words, being able to make the effort, being able to change direction, being able to overcome a problem, use a strategy to overcome a problem. And also, the specialist has to be able to go into the classrooms and look what's going on 
and identify what the impediments, what the blocks are to the kid becoming a good reader in terms of what the environment is doing, that is, the teacher, the organization of the class, the nature of the books, if there are adequate books in the class, and also see what is it within the classroom and during the entire day, not just in terms of reading time, but in the entire day, what is it that you can strengthen or modify to help the kid out? And then you also have to look, if you're a specialist, at the teacher. What is it that the teacher likes to do? What is it that the teacher can do well? Can we take advantage in a positive sense of the teacher's knowledge and abilities to make recommendations and then figure out a plan as to how to monitor the effectiveness of the recommendations? Because if you simply put a kid in a classroom and say do A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, and there's lots of research behind A through G, but none of them are helping this kid, and you don't progress monitor on a weekly basis. Spend five minutes progress monitoring, sometimes Mm -hmm. three minutes progress monitoring and graphing it. Uh, If you do that and the program is not working, then it's time to meet and modify the program or Mm -hmm. modify the IEP because that's what federal law calls for. You call an IEP meeting when the kid is plateauing, which means he's falling further and further behind his peers, Mm -hmm. even if Mm -hmm. he's not, in absolute terms, falling behind, but relative to his peers, or if the kid is regressing, either in terms of his abilities or his motivation, or he's not... uh, or he's not picking up and developing a love of reading. And mm-hmm. if you don't like reading, you're not going to do it. And if you don't like swimming, you're never going to become a good swimmer because you're not going to go in the water. Exactly. Exactly. And I, that's such a great point. You really have to get in there and address that situation because it's only going to get worse as time goes on, which compounds the problem and all sorts of other issues come up. So, But it doesn't only, let me pick up on that if I can. It doesn't only compound the problem for the child. It compounds the problem for his teachers. Mm-hmm. Their job is harder. Their mm-hmm. job is more complex. After third grade, chances are they're going to deal with a very passive kid or an aggressive kid. These yes. are the extremes, which makes their job harder, which mm-hmm. makes them go home sometimes and wonder why I ever went into teaching. So that's one thing. And then it leads to all sorts of problems at home. So it's not just the kid who's having problems. It's analogous to having a mental health problem in the family. Everybody around that kid will suffer. And many of these kids, by the way, pick up mental health problems because of school-induced or school neglect in terms of their reading problems, or schools that don't really know what they're doing to help the kid out. They buy these package programs. We're going to give the kid uh, Wilson, and it doesn't work despite all the hype and ideology. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the point that I'm trying to make here is that this is complicated, and if you don't get the professional help, you have as much chance of helping a kid 
as if you don't go to a doctor when you're having stomach problems. Great. Sometimes Great you can analogy. do it, but most of the time you can't. Yeah, yeah. Now, once uh, the child is evaluated by a specialist, and you did mention IEP in in your discussion, uh, what needs to be in that IEP specifically? What does the um, what has to happen with that IEP in order to help the child? Okay. Point number two: to get my friends angry at me. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Don't pay mm-hmm. attention to services, to related services to placement, to supplementary aids and services until you have a PLEP, a present levels of academic achievement and functional performance in place that meets the care standards, and I'll explain what care is in a moment, and you have goals, and in some states like New Jersey, objectives that reach what are called, what we call, what Gary and I call in our books, the three M standards, the PLEP. The PLEP, or present levels, is the and it's the foundation. It's the absolute foundation of the IEP. Usually we rush through it because we have 42 yeah. minutes to complete it. No, you don't have 42 minutes. You have as much time as you need in order to create a PLEP that gives your child a free and appropriate public education. The PLEP that was always hard to pin down in IEP meetings for me. Well, Nobody wanted to give me that information. <laughs> well, no one knows what a PLEP is. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. No one knows what a free, appropriate public education is. I mean, I've been uh-huh. in hundreds of IEP meetings. I've had grants on it. I've been a hearing officer. I've been an expert in court. Most of the time, it revolves around what the definition of a PLEP is, and or, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, an IEP, and Congress has never defined it, and the federal government has never uh, defined it. But I'll give yeah. you a working definition, which courts have upheld. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it goes uh, like this. Care. Care in a PLEP. It should be comprehensive. Every area of need has to be addressed. It should be accurate. If you say that the kid's independent reading level is third grade, that means you, he can pick up a book and read it with at least 99% word recognition and 90% comprehension with no one's help, okay? Mm-hmm, if you mm-hmm. say his instructional level is second grade, that means he can read with approximately recognize 95% of the words without any trouble. With teacher help, he can recognize the other 4 to 5% of the words, and he starts out with 70% comprehension, which can quickly be boosted up to 90%. That's instructional level. If you say that he can multiply uh, 27 by 12, he should be able to demonstrate that with no difficulty or struggle whatsoever. So the PLEP has to be comprehensive and accurate. Okay? Mm-hmm. It, um, that's the CA. The R. Everything in the PLEP has to be uh, relevant. For example, he is motivated by tinker toys. That shows you how old I am. He is <laughs> motivated by his video games. He is motivated by reading about the Middle Ages. He can't yeah. stand worksheets. 
they turn him yeah. off. So you're dealing with motivation. It has to be uh, relevant. And E, it yeah. has to be explicit. Oh, he he loved to read sometimes. Well, that doesn't tell you anything. <laughs> um, he he has some difficulty dealing with other people. Well, in what ways does he have difficulty? Yeah. The press yeah. has to address all. If it doesn't, don't go on because you'll yeah, never yeah. be able to create objectives and in some states, I'm sorry, goals and in some states, objectives that meet the MMM standards. M means mm-hmm. that they're meaningful. In other words, they're going to make a difference in the kid's life, an important difference yes. if he achieves this particular goal. They're measurable. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about whether or not he achieved it. He ach- yeah. if, if the goal says he will achieve a fourth-grade instructional level by May on narrative and expository material on the QRI, which is a particular test, he will. Yeah. You know it. The criteria yeah. are there. And finally, it's got to be manageable for the teacher and the kid. For the mm-hmm. kid, it's got to be ambitious but realistic with a moderate yeah. degree of effort that he can sustain. He'll achieve it in all probability. And for the, and for the teacher, maybe there are only four reading objectives for the goal or one reading goal which encompasses all important facets of reading, like the one that I gave you. If you give a teacher, like some IEPs in northern Jersey, okay, if you mm-hmm. give a teacher <laughs> 2,743 goals and objectives or just 2,100 goals, the teacher can't handle it. I can't. Yeah, I don't I know if you can. Yeah. So you have to deal with the PLEP. From that, yeah. you derive the goals and objectives in some states. And if you have relevant, measurable, meaningful goals and objectives, then most of the time, what are the related services becomes an easy question rather than yeah. a power struggle. What are the supplementary aids that he needs? All of those questions are most often easily answered once yeah. you have the PLEP and the goals and objectives. If you if you don't do that the right way, and that takes three things. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Yeah. Get yeah. the data yeah. that you need as a parent six to eight weeks in advance. If you yeah. don't have the data six to eight weeks in advance, you write the school. They have to respond within X number of days in New Jersey. It's between 15 and 20, depending on the situation. And they have to respond in writing. You ask for the yeah. information that you need. If people want to get a free copy of my book, they can go to the website and it gives you many of the questions that you want to ask the school district. It's critical. And if you don't have the evaluations and you have enough money, get one or two evaluations on your own from top-notch people. Mm -hmm. Is it expensive? Yes. But think of the expense of not doing it. Mm Yeah, yeah. It's all this all makes a lot of sense and and it's taking me back to my early days this was years ago in northern New Jersey of getting IEPs for my daughter who did struggle with reading yeah. and asking these questions and asking for this information and having all these people look at me like I was speaking Latin you know that yeah. they wouldn't provide any of this stuff. And at one point I kept saying that these goals and objectives are too broad, they're not measurable, and they took me into a room and they 
thumped down in front of me this book of guidelines that was about as big as the, you know, Oxford English Dictionary and said, okay, yeah. go through it. This is what we use. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's 10 yeah. million goals. So mm-hmm. now that it's all computerized, I know, but it's it's just, it seems so obvious, and as you describe it, it is so right, but there still seems, I mean, at that time there was a lot of resistance. I don't know uh, now if it's improved from well, advocacy of people like yourself. Let me put it this way. As a retiree, I am not uh-huh. retired. I I happen to have, and I'm one of the lucky people in the world, and I feel guilty when I say this given the unemployment in our country, I happen uh-huh. to have all all the business I can possibly handle as a consultant. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, right now I filed a complaint with the state of New Jersey about a district that gave the parents and, and myself Exactly, and I have digital files, so it's easy to find out. Yeah. One minute and 42 uh-huh. seconds, I think, to talk about goals and objectives in a new IP oh, that geez. they handed us, and they said that was uh-huh. sufficient time. What If the parents <laughs> did not have, and I'm not patting myself, there are other people who are good or better uh-huh. than me, but if the yeah. parents did not have an expert there to help them, they would not have known what to do. Mm-hmm, right. I mean, mm-hmm, right. you yeah. have to have someone who knows What's yeah. going on in many mm-hmm. cases? Mm-hmm. Well, let me let me just ask you real quickly, as we're we're getting close on time. But um, as a parent who has tried to help struggling readers myself and felt yeah. profoundly un unequipped to do that, um, right. if a parent needs to tutor their child through reading, what is is? Can you very quickly give me some things that you would recommend parents do to help their kids? Here comes strike three. Um, (laughs) Be very careful Uh if you do this and how to do it. If you get Uh too emotionally involved, you're going to destroy the relationship at times, and you may not do any good. This is complex. We don't do open-heart surgery on our kids, all right? But there are many things that you can do. You can learn Mm -hmm. how to do, and you get this in the IEP for the for the school to teach and provide mm-hmm. the, the services to teach you. You learn how to yeah. do paired reading, for example, where you're reading out right. loud along with your child on a book mm-hmm. that he has developed mastery in. It improves right. all aspects of reading. It's easy to do. It's fun. You learn how to. If you're, if the parent knows how to read, not all parents do, but if, right. but if, but if the parent knows how to read, and can express themselves uh, well, learn how to read aloud to your children and how to engage mm-hmm. them in conversations, not inquisitions about what they <laughs> read. And mm-hmm. subtly teach the vocabulary that the kids are going to soon be exposed to in school. Yeah. Don't have a chalkboard where you're teaching it. If they're going to learn about certain animals like raccoons, and there's a wildlife mm-hmm. refuge near you, or you're like me, yeah. you have raccoons in your backyard, show them the <laughs> raccoon. My three-year-old uh-huh. granddaughter can tell you all about raccoons and squirrels. Uh-huh. All righty? You create the vocabulary, nibbling. Yeah. Look what the raccoon is doing. Oh, look, there's uh-huh. Charlie. He's nibbling on the garbage. And and my, yeah. and my granddaughter's excited, and I'm going, whoopee, now I have to... 
pick up the garbage and the garbage pail and everything else at 3 o'clock in the morning. But the point is I'm trying to make here, these are three important things that improve relationships rather than destroy them. My parents yeah. tried to give me speech therapy for about three <laughs> weeks of hell, and they stopped. Uh-huh. It was hell for them yeah. because I made it hell for them, and it was hell uh-huh. for me. Yeah, yeah. There are, there are some things that require expertise. Mm-hmm. Now, some. Well, it's, now, hard, now, people, it's hard, though, for parents. Go ahead. The three things I just mentioned will be very mm-hmm. helpful. Some people will yeah. be very successful at tutoring their kids with a package program. But to, mm-hmm. in my experience, that's the exception rather than the rule. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just as a parent, you often feel that you're on the front line. You're home with the kid who's supposed to read stuff, and, you know, well, and they you can't are. do it. But one of the most important things you can do is to create a homework assignment. I'm sorry, a homework strategy. Put it in the uh-huh. IEP, even if you have to put it under the, the parental concerns section, Yeah. which says yeah. all work has to be at the kid's independent level. Right, perfect. Right. Well, that's that's... Such useful information. Thank you so much for being our guest today and sharing that with our listeners. Thank you. I would thank you. I would like to thank our listeners for tuning into our program this morning. Please join us for next week's show when we'll be talking about unified sports. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We're Nicole Tweets under the name Inclusive Underscore Class, and I am at Mamatude, M-A-M-A-T-U-D-E. And finally, you can download our past podcasts for free on Stitcher and iTunes. Goodbye, everybody, and have a great week. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you.